thine enemies. Our text this morning really comes from verse number 2 where the Bible says, The Lord is my rock. You can be seated today. Thank you for standing with us while we read the word of the Lord. Psalms 18 verses 1 through 3 where we've read this morning. This is a psalm of David and it is our intent this morning to take this psalm and illustrate the relationship that David has with the rock. The relationship with a rock. I mentioned that last night to my girls before I went to bed and Caitlin was giggling and I looked at her and I said, what's so funny? She said, I didn't know that David knew Dwayne Johnson. And I said, that's not the rock that I'm talking about. Not the one from Jumanji and the WWE. I'm talking about the one from the Bible. And of course, Julia had to get on the in on the act and she starts doing her hand like this and saying at least he didn't say it was John Cena. And uh, of course, that's a whole new generation. I'm sitting on the, on the bed then getting in on it and hollering, Woo! And some of y'all know exactly what that means. A relationship with a rock. A relationship with a rock. The Lord is my rock in verse number 2. It was written by David. This psalm was following the great deliverance of God that was placed in the life of David in rescuing him from the sword of Saul, the king of Israel, and David's father-in-law. Saul's anger fomented within him against David because of jealousy over David's relationship with God and David's relationship with the people of Israel. It angered Saul when he saw the Lord bless David and then it angered Saul whenever he heard the people bless David and he realized that it seemed like the Lord and it didn't just seem like it had been that the Lord had rejected Saul from being king over Israel and that the Lord had anointed David to eventually take his place and the people had refused Saul and had they were embracing David and it angered Saul and he sought to kill his son-in-law but Saul could not destroy either of those relationships that David had. It angered Saul that God favored him. It angered Saul that the people favored him. But Saul's anger could not stop David from having a relationship with the people of God or with God. Today, if you miss everything else that I say in the message, remember these words. All of the enemies of a man and every devil in hell can rage against you, but they cannot destroy your relationship with God and with those you love unless you allow it. They may seek to divide, dilute, derail, and diminish, but they cannot destroy these relationships unless you allow it. Oh, my friend David had become as had endured as much as hell could throw at him and could come against him with, but he was anointed of the Lord. He uh, was to become the king of God's chosen people. He was the chosen of God for the royal line of the Messiah. And the Christ would be born eventually into the house and lineage of David. And every devil in hell came against him and against his house and against his family and against his safety. But he was safe and he was secure because of his relationship with a rock. That rock was his safety. That rock was his assurance. That rock was his shelter. Jesus is a rock in a weary land and a shelter in the time of storm. And so this morning we're going to look at these first three verses of the book of 
of Psalms chapter 18 and deal with a relationship with the rock. Now, I have three things that I want to share with you this morning concerning this little message and a few things about each one of those three things. And as I said last night, I'll see if y'all are as quick as Caitlin were to figure this out. Point number one, we're going to deal with verse number one. Point number two, y'all help me out now, we're going to deal with verse number two. Point number three, we're going to deal with, I'll give you one guess, verse number three. And of course, John and John Michael have to be nonconformist. Amen. This morning, I want to look in verse number one at a passionate relationship. Verse number two, I want to look at a powerful relationship. And verse number three, I want us to see a prayerful relationship. A passionate relationship, a powerful relationship, and a prayerful relationship. Look at verse number one with us concerning this passionate relationship. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. David was a man after God's own heart, the Scripture says, and he was prone to testify in his life. This psalm and many of his psalms are an account of deliverance and delight in the Lord his God. We find he has a passion to love the Lord. He said, I will love thee. I will love thee. Not only does he say, I will love the Lord, but he begins to start this psalm out by talking to the Lord, not just about the Lord. And he says, I will love thee. Now it is one thing when you say to someone else how that you love some other person. It'd be one thing for me to be speaking with one of you this morning and say, you know, I really do love my wife. But it's quite different when I look at her and I say, and I call her name and I say, Sonia, I love you. When you begin talking like that, business is about to pick up. It's very, very effective, sir. If you've not tried it in a while, you might want to try it. It's very effective whenever you address a person directly and let them know what passion you have to love them. And that David says, I will love thee. He had experienced tremendous persecution, even terror that he talks about later in the psalm. His father-in-law was the king of the people of God, and he wanted to kill David. But he never stopped loving the Lord. I wonder how many people would commit to love God if their father-in-law was their pastor and was trying to kill them. How many of them would say, I'm not going back to church. Why my father-in-law, my own father-in-law is the leader of God's people and he wants to kill me. I'm not going back to church. I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore. I'm not going to walk with God anymore. But David's father-in-law was the leader of God's people and he wanted to kill David in the midst of that David said, I will love thee, O Lord. You know what that tells me that David's saying? Lord, I'm not going to hold against you what some of your people have done that I think is wrong. And I'm not going to get mad at you because some of your people have mistreated me. How many people have left church because they're angry at something some person has done? They're upset because someone has mistreated them. And yet they leave church and they get mad at God. It's not God's fault that somebody else got upset, that someone else misbehaved themselves. We ought to have a passion to love the Lord, regardless of what everybody else may or may not do. Have a passion and a commitment to love. I will love thee. And then we 
see his passion to serve the Lord. Oh, he says, I will love thee, oh Lord. He never stopped calling him Lord. Lord is a term, my friend, of reverence. It is, and he says to God, you are my Lord. He recognizes who the Lord is and who David serves. David was anointed to become king. He was anointed to become the leader. He was anointed to become in charge. But he commits to God that even when he becomes king, he will remain a servant of the Lord God. David would be king, but God would be Lord. Oh, may we realize and never get too big for our riches. May we realize that God is God and besides Him there is not another. May we find ourselves in a place of servitude. God help us to be like old John the Baptist when they came to Him and said, What do you have to say for yourself? And He said, I have nothing to say for myself. I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's the Lord, not me. He's the God, not me. He's somebody and something not me. He had a passion to serve the Lord. He had a passion to love the Lord. He had a passion to trust the Lord. The Bible said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. My strength. David knew he could trust the Lord. When he was weary, when he was tired, when he was terrorized, when he was near death, when he was pressed beyond measure, when he was betrayed by his closest family and companions, David believed God. Had he you, he could trust no other. Hear me this morning. He is worthy of your trust. He is worthy of your confidence. He is worthy of your faith. You can put your faith in the Lord and He will not disappoint. He will validate your faith. Faith always honors God and God always honors faith. And David has a passionate relationship with a rock. His relationship is one of my friends of love, of service, and of trust. Verse number 2, this morning we see not only a passionate relationship, but we see a powerful relationship. He says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my strength in whom will I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. It almost seems like David starts talking about the Lord and he just cannot say enough about Him. Every other word it seems like he's saying and, 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 and. That's not exactly the way that they would teach us to do it in, in the third grade grammar. You wait until you're getting to the end, that last uh, one of the superlatives that you have strung together. And after that last and final comma, then it's and and your final superlative, but not the way David is. He says, the Lord's my rock. That's not enough. And uh, my fortress. And my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom will I trust? My buckler. And the horn of my salvation. And my high tower. It's almost like that. Uh, I like that uh, cop show that uh, my sister likes. Uh, where that police comes in and he will interview people. And every time he interviews somebody, just before he leaves, he'll almost leave. And he'll come back and he'll say, and one more thing. One more thing. And that is exactly the way David is doing here. He is, my friend, coming uh, as soon as he said the one more thing. Just one more thing. And, and, and one more thing. And one more thing. He just cannot say enough about the Lord and what he means to him. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? Do you understand how David feels when you begin to tell somebody how much Jesus means to you? I find myself searching for words to say just what I mean. 
there. I'll praise His name. How I do know whatever I need, that's just what He is. He is my rock and my deliverer. He is my strength, my God and my King. He's myself in the time of trouble. I look to Him for everything. Does that sound familiar to anybody this morning? And that is the way it is. We start to tell people about the one we love. We just can't say enough about Him. We cannot tell them really about our beloved. Have that woman in Song of Solomon chapter 2. I begins to tell them about the, her, her beloved. And she tells them about His hair, how pretty it is. And she tells them how sweet He is. How His perfume drips off His fingertips. And she tells them how that He's got to have strength in Himself and He stands tall. And when she runs out of things that she knows how to describe and what to say, she said He's altogether lovely. Everything about Him is just right. Her relationship with the rock, it's a powerful relationship. David was anointed as king, but God was His power, not the authority of the throne. David knew where His power was. It was in a relationship with the rock. Now, I said, I'll tell you a few things, a few things about those few things, so i got to get the few things about this thing in. His powerful relationship. He has a powerful foundation. He says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. What a statement. I could preach hours on this one thing. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. The best way I know to try to cut the fat and get right to this one part of the message. Yes, to you, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 31. How where Moses said these words. He said, for their rock is not as our rock. For their rock, that is the world, the heathens, the false idol worshippers, the ones who worship false gods, have their is not as our rock. Everybody has a rock. Something they depend on. Something they trust in. But most of us, my friend, most of it is as sinking sand. Oh, my friend, but we have a rock that never quakes and never shakes and never sings. Oh, Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I do not trust, my friend, in pop culture or government. I do not trust in what man can do for me. I don't trust my friend in the strength of my own abilities, in my own intellect or in my own power. I don't trust in my ability to defend myself. But I have a rock that never shakes. I have a powerful foundation. Ever since I was just a little boy, I've sat beside my daddy and said, sing. I'm standing on the rock of ages. I've saved from all harm from every storm that rages. I rage not in Satan's wages, but I'm standing on the solid rock. He's the rock that I'm standing on. I'm I'm glad He has a place for me. A place in the rock. A place where His glory can be found. A place where I can stand by Him. Praise God, the Lord is my rock. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh, praise His name, rock of ages, tough for me. Let me hide myself in Thee. Let the water and the blood from Thy ribbon side which flowed. with a rock, a powerful 
foundation. I was talking to the girls about this last night. And we talked about how Moses, when he sought to stand with the Lord, when he sought to see the Lord, the Lord said, you can't see my face and live. He said, nevertheless, there is a place by me. I don't know about you, but if I can't get in the presence of the Lord, I just want to get close as I can. And he said, there is a place by me. And you know where that place is? It's in the cleft of the rock. Hallelujah. And the Lord put Moses in the cleft of the rock. In the cleft of the rock. And then he covered him with his hand. And so Moses looks beneath him. Rock beneath him. Looks above him. There's rock above him. A rock to the left. Rock to the right. Rock behind him. And whether you'll know it or not, rock in front of him. The hand of the Lord was in front of him. And he was in the cleft of the rock. By the way, you know what the cleft of the rock is? It is a place where the rock has been smitten, has been stricken, and has been split open. It is a likeness unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And they all drank that same spiritual drink. And they same drink from that same spiritual rock. And that rock was Christ, is what verse Corinthians says. And my friend, when Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory. God said, you can't see my face. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put you in the ribbon side of Jesus. And I'll cover you with a hand of grace. And he gave him a glimpse of what it would be for those who'd be saved in the New Testament covenant. And for just a moment, and Moses got a foretaste of glory divine. And he stood in the ribbon side of the rock. <laughs> Woo! And he was covered with the hand of grace. And the Lord let his glory smoke come by where he was. And Moses saw the afterglow of where God had been. Oh, praise his dear name. I say the Lord is my rock. And I bless the name of the Lord for putting me in a place by him. Psalms chapter 81 and in verse number uh, verse number 16 I was trying to find this last night uh, Psalm chapter 81 I told Caitlin it was Psalms 87 and then I couldn't find it with her little bitty Bible and little bitty words uh, and I can't see them and she said I isn't that Bible nice I said it would be wonderful if I was 16 like you but I can't see those little bitty words uh, and in Psalms chapter number 81 is where it is not Psalms 87 verse number 16 the Bible said that he gave them honey out of the rock. He gave them honey out of the rock. Now the bees in that area, the bees, a certain one of those honey bees would not make its nest in logs or in trees or in a hollow space in a log. But instead they would climb to the highest cliffs up there in the land of Palestine and they would build their nest, build their hives up in those cliffs up in those holes in the rocks and there they would build the honey and the sweetness and they would ooze out of the rock and ooze down the wounded places ooze down the holes the clefts in the rock and Moses when he was put in the cleft in the rock he found what it was to be in the sweet place of the Lord to be where the honey is to be where the richness is to be where the sweetness abides I'm glad I know something about dwelling in that cleft of the rock. I'm glad there is honey in the rock, my brother. There is honey in the rock for you. Bring your sins for the blood to cover. There is honey in the rock for you. He'll give sweetness 
salvation, strength, and satisfaction in the Savior, in the cleft of the rock, where there's honey to be found. The Lord is my rock. Now there's two more hours worth of preaching on that one sub-point of a point, and I can't do that, so I've got to cut the fan this morning. Powerful foundation. And then this powerful relationship in verse number two, there's powerful freedom. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. And my deliverer. Enemies were against him were great, but he had confidence that God was greater. Freedom from our adversaries is in God. My deliverer. First Corinthians said he hath delivered, he doth deliver, and will yet deliver. That's the kind of God we serve. Then there is powerful freshness. He says, my God and my strength. You see, man had failed him. Friends had turned against him. Family had attacked him. Life had become hard on him. Success, it seems like, had evaded him. But God was faithful, and God was close by. This is where refreshment comes from. This is where our help is found. The Lord is a very present help in trouble. Psalm chapter 42 and verse 5 and Psalm chapter 42 and verse 11 are exactly the same. They say, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. There is powerful freshness. A powerful refreshment. There is a breath of fresh air. There is a breeze from another world. There is good news from a far country. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever felt like you were at the end of yourself? Haven't you just been defeated in the battle? That you had lost sure as the world? There is no way you're going to make it. And somebody come by with a kind word or with a handshake. Have some message come that God sent from heaven just for you. Have some song come on the radio. That was just what you needed to hear at the moment. How did get a phone call? How did stand there being bad news like it always is? That was somebody saying something good from the Lord Friday night. I got one of those calls just about time to leave work. And I picked up the phone and it was a man from Tennessee. And he said, I just want to let you know what a blessing you are. And how much the preaching's helped me and my family. And how the Lord has helped me in these days while we hadn't been able to go to church. And I've been listening to you preach online. And he said, I want you to know what a help it is to me. I've been years of receiving those calls once in a while, you know. But from the last few months, I've wondered, is anybody on planet Earth listening? And in the last few weeks, the Lord sent me four or five of them. I mean phone calls, not just emails from Kenya or somewhere. But phone calls of people on the other end of the phone. And telling me, God save my soul while I'm driving up the road. Listening to you preach in the middle of the night while I'm driving a mail truck. And my family and I have been in trouble. But God is working our family. We've been listening to you preach. And we're praying God to help you and you too. You know what that is? It's like refreshment to the soul. It's like a breath of fresh air. It's like good news from a far country. And my friend, it's powerful freshness in that relationship with the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He says there's powerful foundation, a powerful freedom, powerful freshness. And then we see a powerful faith. He said, my God and my strength, in whom will I trust? David expresses a powerful confidence in the Lord his God. I mean, have faith in God. Believe Him regardless of your circumstance. He is worthy of your confidence. He is worthy of your faith. He is trustworthy this morning. A powerful faith. And then he tells us about a powerful friendship. He said that not only in whom will I trust, but he said he's my buckler. My buckler. Now the buckler is a shield. That's specifically the shield that would be buckled or attached to the arm of a soldier and used to defend himself wherever he was attached. Whereas the right hand, for those who were not left-handed, would have a sword in it. The left hand would then have a buckler attached to it. And this shield would be attached with means of a belt or some other cord and wrapped around that left hand. This was done so that you could defend yourself wherever you were attacked. If the enemy, my friend, shot arrows that flew towards the soldier's head, that swing his arm with that buckler shield above his head and deflect the arrows that would have pierced through his eyes. Oh, my friend, the sword was wielded against him. Oh, my friend, he held that shield against it for protection. And when it was, it was attached to him, it was so close, it was like it was a part of him. And whenever that soldier was cut off from the rest of his unit, and whenever everybody else on the field of battle left him, he realized that Butler had left. He was attached to him. It stuck on him. Amen. Oh, I'm glad I'm stuck on Jesus. And he stuck on me. Hallelujah. And he sticks closer than a brother. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. The Lord is my Butler. Amen. My life is wrapped up in his. And his is wrapped up in me. And we are to be one as he and the Father are one. He's my Butler. What a powerful friendship. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You look around and all your friends are gone. There's one that's attached. He's not going to leave you. He's connected with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. A powerful friendship. And then we see in this verse a powerful force. He says, My strength in whom will I trust, my buffer and the horn of my salvation. The horn is an emblem of power. It's a likeness of overwhelming force. We talked recently about the unicorn from Numbers chapter 24 and verse number 8. Some of you all remember that message about what God can do, what Satan cannot do, and what the saints ought to do. And so this morning we're looking at it again. This horn shows up. And my friend, it is the horn of my salvation. And that unicorn of the Numbers 24 and 8, it was likely the African black bull rhino. It is believed to be the most powerful animal in the world. And my friend, hey, when he said he's the horn of my salvation, that is as well as saying there is no weapon formed against us that can prosper. That's the way the Apostle Paul put it. We have power in the name of Jesus. He's the horn. He's the power. He's the force of my salvation. God's children and my friend doormats for this old world. We're not to be punching bags for the devil and his crowd. We're not red-headed step 
children. I'm just to be mistreated in this old world. But I'm like God will. And raise up a banner around us. He'll raise up a standard. And my friend, a friend. And to protect us and to shield us. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. That's the way we quote it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. But that's not the way it's written. Everybody listening this morning? The way it's written is, especially I'm talking about particularly in as it would have been written originally. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. Same words mean something quite different. It's not when the enemy comes in like a flood, then God will raise up a standard against him. It's when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. What I'm saying to you is the overwhelming power of the flood does not belong to the enemy. It belongs to the child of God. What I'm saying is we have the power in the name of Jesus. And when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. And my friend, we have a powerful force. And then I want to say in this verse, we have a powerful fortification. For he said, not only is he my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. And the high tower is a place of defense. It's also a place of discernment. Defense and discernment. And from the fortification of the high tower, we have shelter. But we also have surveillance. How we can see more clearly and understand. In Christ I see things clearly. And I understand when I'm able to see them from the shepherd's point of view. It changes my mindset. I realize God had a handle on this all along. I can trust Jesus. He knows what's best for me. Relationship with the rock. Passionate relationship is a powerful relationship. Verse number three, it is a prayerful relationship. I will call upon the Lord. We need to get busy doing that. We've been sleeping, we've been laughing, we've been playing, but it's not too late to come back home. It's praying time. What a friend we have in Jesus. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. A prayerful relationship with the Bob in this verse, I find a commitment to pray. He says, I will. He didn't say, you know what I'm considering? I've been thinking lots about it lately. I think I've decided that I'm going to pray. Y'all ever hear the story of the three frogs? I know I've at least told some of y'all this story. There's a story about these three frogs. All y'all children listening just a minute. I'm talking about frogs. Kids get interested. At least I did when I was a kid. And I still get interested. But boy, when I was about seven or eight years old, you'd talk about frogs all night long and I'd listen. There's a story about these three frogs on the log. John Daniel, you listen real close because I'm going to question you on this. There's a story about these three frogs on the log. Two of them decided to jump off. How many frogs do you have left on the log? See? 
That's the answer most everybody gives. But here's the part, the detail I didn't give you in the story. They didn't jump off, they just decided to. <laughs> and I couldn't have picked out a better person to get with that. <laughs> he will get everybody at school with it when we go back to the fall, I assure you. He'll get me probably with six things before he leaves this afternoon. Because you know? <laughs> Sunday was full of those stories like that. You know what happens to us a lot of times? We're like the three palms in the law. I've decided I'm going to go to church. But you haven't done it yet. I've decided I'm going to serve the Lord. But you haven't done it yet. I've decided I'm going to praise. And when was the last time you actually prayed? I've decided I'm going to give it all to the Lord. But have you given it all to the Lord? We've got three falls on the law. Two have decided to jump off. But we've still got three on the law because they just decided to. They haven't actually done anything. But David didn't decide to pray. He said, I'll legal. I've committed to it. I'm doing it. This is part of my life. I'm actually going to see this truth. This morning you need to do more than just decide. You need to do it. You need to actually take action on this thing and call upon the name of the Lord. How people don't get saved because they decided to call upon the name of the Lord. I'm not fit, but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are young people in this building here this morning. Years ago, weeks ago, months ago, you decided to call upon the name of the Lord, but you haven't done it yet. You've honestly said in your heart, when God deals with my heart, I'm going to call on Him. I'm going to ask Him to save me. I do want to be saved. But you actually have not done anything. And it's more than deciding to, it's doing it. I will call upon the Lord. And there's a commitment to pray. Some have complained. They've committed to bellyache. They've committed to whine. They've committed to give up in despair. But David commits to pray. Will you? Will you commit to pray this morning? I listened yesterday over and over and over and over again to the old hymn. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you ask for loving favor as a shield today? When you meet with great temptation, did you think to pray? By His dying love and merit, did you claim the Holy Spirit as your God and stay? When your heart was filled with anger, did you think to pray? Did you plead for grace, my brother? Did you? Uh, that you may forgive another who had crossed your way. When when sore trials came upon you, did you think to pray? When your soul was filled with sorrow, balm of Gilead, did you borrow at the gates of day? Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night to day. So when life gets dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. A commitment to pray. And then the second piece of that verse is a commitment to praise. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Some had lauded David and they said, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And they praised David. I'm not saying, hey. But David acknowledges that the one worthy to be praised was the Lord. And the Lord alone. Commit to praise. And then this morning you need to commit to pray, commit to praise. And then in this prayerful relation, the relationship, there is a certainty of protection. He says, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Hallelujah. What a thought. 
<laughs> Jesus full salvation brought victory Oh, victory. <laughs> Let the powers of sin assail. Heaven's grace can never fail. Victory. Oh, victory. I'm trusting in the Lord and I'm standing on His Word. Victory. Yes, victory. I have peace and joy within since my life is free from sin. Victory. Oh, victory. Oh, victory. Yes, victory. Hallelujah. I am free. Jesus gives me victory. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. He is all and all to me. Anybody know about living there? Victory. Yes, victory. Hallelujah. I am free. Jesus gives me victory. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. He is all and all to me. The, the psalmist says, so shall I be saved from all of my enemies. I'm finished preaching this morning. Come on with a song. A relationship with a rock. The world has their rock. The other religions have their rocks. The socialists, the communists, the Marxists, the fascists, the statists have government as their rock. It's the rock of man. It is the same type of rock that it was in Babylon whenever it was that uh, Nebuchadnezzar built his statue up my fin and he had that dream of the statue with the head of gold and the arms of silver and the belly of brass and the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. But are you listening to me this morning? That statue was the Gentile nations of the world. It was rulership by man. It was the help of man. It was the arm of flesh. This world's rock has feet of clay. Feet of clay. They do not stand on firm foundations. Has feet of clay. But whenever the world's rock has a feet of clay... There is hewn out of the mountain a stone not made with the hands of man. Not made, my friend, by man's effort, but made by the master builder. And he came tumbling down out of the mountain. And he smote the rock out the feet of clay. And my friend, he destroyed. He destroyed that statue. And that rock ground into the earth. And it filled the whole world. And that rock is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the stone that came tumbling down out of the mountain and tearing down the kingdoms of the world. Jesus is the rock that I'm standing on when this whole world is on fire where everything else is falling apart. When man and all of his efforts have failed, thank God we have a relationship with the rock. And that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can count on and trust in Him and believe on Him. If you're unsaved this morning, I'd, I'd beg you to get right with God. If you're lost without God this morning, I would encourage you to pray and call upon the Lord while He is near. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. If you feel like you're in a world that's shaking and quivering, and if you're not 
realizing that today you had your head stuck in the sand. Feel like here the world is just tumbling and crumbling and stumbling and falling apart. You're right. It has feet of clay. It has feet of clay. And I got news for you. You have feet of clay. I got some disappointed news for you. Your preacher's got feet of clay. Just a man. But I'm not standing on my own two feet. I'm standing on solid rock. I have a relationship with a rock. Some of you young people looking at building a life and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life if the Lord doesn't come back first. And He may well, but if He does not, you've got to figure out what you're going to do with your life in a world that is chaotic. It's a mess. But John, we are handing our world off to our children in about as bad a shape as what it could be in. And it may get worse. Likely will if Jesus don't come back first. But while everything else is rocking and reeling, I want my girls to know there's a rock you can stand on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There is firm ground. There is a place where you can have sure plenty. There is a place where you can build your life. There is a place where you can stand and firm and not be shaken in this old world. I may shake and quiver, but the rock won't. Everybody stand if you need to pray this morning. There is hope and help and strength. Joy to be found in Jesus. And everything else has changed in the time. 20, 30, 40 years ago, Brother Castillo, but God hadn't changed one ounce. Hallelujah. He's still God. This morning you need to pray. You need help from the Lord. I'd ask you to come. These altars are open. Sister Tanya's going to sing. I've tried to cut the fat. This day's not early for everybody else, but it's early for us. We've got time for you to pray. You need to come talk to the Lord this morning. I'd encourage you to do it. My hope is Hallelujah. Nothing else than Jesus' blood. Oh!
sing much when I get finished preaching, but I don't stop liking it. Hallelujah. Well, I'd come back to the back and shake hands with you, but some may not yet be ready to shake hands. I'm open for handshakes and neck hugs and whatever else, and I got plenty of hand sanitizer, or as Gracie called it when she was a kid, hand sanitizer. Got hand sanitizer on the piano and on the organ, and we can both use hand sanitizer. So if you want to shake hands with a preacher this morning, I sure do. Uh, thank you for coming, and I'd like to shake hands if you want to. You come down front, we'll shake hands with one another, and then we'll rinse off the fellowship with hand sanitizer. But I'm so glad to see you. If you haven't brought your offering and put it in the offering plate, take the time to do that. You can, be fellow, you can fellowship and be dismissed 6 o'clock tonight for the Backwell Arts Service and 1 o'clock on Saturday for the memorial for Brother J.B.